Father, we ask you to send your spirit to open our hearts to the words of your son, whose birth we have celebrated this past week. Amen. Good morning. And happy new year. Almost, yes. If you'll turn to page 679 in your pew Bibles, this morning's Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, the 63rd chapter, the 7th through the 9th verses. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In, this in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. This is the word of the Lord. A word of introduction before I read our New Testament lesson for today. If you were here last Sunday or joined us via our live streaming on our website, then you will likely recall that Kim Tremboli's wonderful sermon about the ways that God is with us was based on Matthew's birth narrative. And the way that that story goes in Matthew's account is that the angel appears to Joseph says to, to Joseph that Mary has conceived a child uh, through the Holy Spirit and that he is not to be afraid, but rather he is to marry Mary to whom he was engaged and that when the child is born that he was to name the child Jesus. Matthew's birth account then continues on into the second chapter of the gospel according to Matthew and there we're told um, that story that's familiar to many of us of the visit of the wise men to the Christ child, bringing those gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh. The story continues on after that into the latter part of the second chapter of Matthew, and that is today's scripture text from the New Testament. And I will say to you that while it is the prescribed gospel reading for today, the first Sunday of Christmas of this year for the lectionary. It is, if you're not familiar with it, a very difficult story to read and to hear. This is the fifth day of Christmas, but I will tell you this story is not a sprightly five golden rings holiday melody. It is often bears the title, The Massacre or The Slaughter of the holy innocents. It's hard to hear. But we believe that God speaks to us, even in stories that are hard to hear. And so let us listen for God's word to us. The second chapter of Matthew's gospel, 
verses 13 through 23. Now after they, that is the wise men, had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And the angel said, get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is The Hopes and Fears of All the Years. The Hopes and Fears of All the Years. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets silence, the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Later in the service, we'll sing this Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And as we stand here at the conclusion of 2019, peering into 2020, it is true that hopes and fears are pulling in our hearts. Let's talk about hope first. And in the beginning part of the second chapter of the gospel according to Matthew, that wonderful story of the visit of the wise men to the Christ child, there is a coalescing of our hopes for the, for the future. 
It's a story that evokes lots of smiles during any holiday season. And I presume that you've heard about those holiday visitors who came down from the north down to Texas. And while they were there, they decided they would go to the Christmas pageant in a local church. So they went there, but they were a little mystified when the wise men came down the aisle wearing firefighter helmets. And so they asked one of the locals, what's up with the firefighter helmets? We're used to bedazzle crowns and such. And the man said, well, y'all must not read the Bible very much where y'all are from, because it says right there in the Bible that the wise men came from afar. It's terrible, but you know, I I lived in Texas, so I have the right to tell bad jokes about Texas. (laughs) But joking aside, the climax of the story that Matthew tells in the beginning of chapter 2 is this, that when the wise men saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And when they found the mother and the baby, they knelt down and they paid him homage. We totally get the joy that they experienced in encountering the cooing and the crying of this new baby Jesus. It's like the joy that we experience when babies are born into the circles of our families and friends. We can imagine little Jesus, discovering his toes for the first time, mouthing his first mama and dada, of his running on his chubby little toddler legs and leaping into his mama's lap to be covered with kisses and hugs when he gets his boo-boo, or building a town with blocks of leftover lumber and wood shavings from his daddy's carpenter shop. Those imaginings of this young child, Jesus, become layered with our own experiences of watching children this holiday season or other holiday seasons gleefully playing with their new toys that are the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that have been lavished upon them by their Grandparents, their doting aunts and uncles, the glow of candlelight reflected in the faces of children at Christmas Eve services at church, all of this taken together gives us a sense of our hopes for the future in a way that little else can Perhaps you were able to take a a look at the art that appears at the front of the bulletin for today. And if you have it, you can pull it out right now and look at it. That art is by an artist whose name is Alison Waring. And she actually expresses for me a fulfillment of that hope seen in children in a particular way because she was born into, baptized into, grew up in one of the churches that I had the privilege of serving as pastor. Well, she's all grown up now, and she is an artist, using totally recycled uh, material to, to make her art. 
and she's also an ordained Presbyterian minister, currently serving as the Presbyterian campus minister at the University of Mississippi. And in her art, she has given us this beautiful um, rendering of God's goodness and grace. And initially, when one sees the art, or at least it's true for me, my eye is drawn to that star and the glitter around it and the manger. But when one takes a second look at it, then you see that brown road leading up the hill. And if you look up to the right at the top of the hill, what do you see? Very faintly, you see three crosses. And so Allison has given us the story in two parts. And Matthew does the same thing in the second chapter of Matthew. The first part, verses 1 through 12, the story of the wise men's visit to the Christ child is that story of hope. The second section that we've read as our lesson today, verses 13 through 23, also puts into reality the picture of pain and injustice and sorrow. And so while it's true that life is often full of goodness and grace, no story of God or of Jesus who is God with us or of human life can be true unless pain and hardship and disappointment and injustice are stitched into the picture too. As one commentator has put it, the second half of Matthew 2 is not the exception to the rule. It is the rule. And who among us has not at one time or another stood beside a crib looking down into that face of a peacefully sleeping baby and considered not only our hopes for his or her future, but also our fears for his or her future. And who among us has not wanted to do everything that we could to protect our children from any kind of pain in this life? And who among us has not dreaded that moment that comes to every human being if he or she logs enough days and weeks and years on this planet when evil, yes, evil, becomes something that one encounters in this life. A voice is heard in the wilderness, we read in Matthew chapter 2, as he quotes from the prophet Jeremiah, a voice in the wilderness, Rachel, weeping. Rachel weeping inconsolably for her children. Rachel weeps. Rachel weeps for her children and Ramah. Rachel weeps for her children in Central America. 
where drug lords and gangs threaten the village so that a mother feels that she has no choice but to flee. Rachel weeps for her children in homes in our own community where there is hardship and sorrow this morning. And on this day, after a terrible, deadly bombing, a truck explosion on the streets of Mogadishu, where 76 people were killed, most of them students, Rachel weeps for her children in Somalia. It might well have been that among Jesus' earliest memories as a child were of his mother and father weeping. Weeping as they absorbed the news that Herod was intent on doing what despotic rulers have been prone to do since the beginning of time when their hubris begins to outstrip their desire to serve the common good and sacrifice the poor and the weak and the innocent on the altar of wealth and power. Perhaps among his earliest memories were experiences of living as a part of this tiny refugee family in Egypt for Surely it is unlikely that they were welcomed warmly by their new neighbors in Egypt. Very likely ostracized, pushed to the margins, shunned by this family who looked different and spoke a different language and practiced a different religion. Yes, it's true. Often life is filled with goodness and joy. And in those experiences, we are told in the first part of Matthew chapter 2, God is with us. God is with us, joining us in our joy, being the source of our deepest joy, and celebrating with us. And it is also true we read in the second chapter of Matthew chapter 2. It is also true that God is with us in those difficult times and that not only is God there consoling us, comforting us, but also present in the evil and in the pain that is experienced in order to work salvation in and for the world and to draw us in so that we're joined with him in the work that reveals God's best intentions for the world. I believe that Jesus himself is evidence of this. I believe that these experiences that he had as living as a refugee in Egypt had an effect in shaping the ministry that he would have here on earth. 
that experience of being pushed to the margins surely shaped how his ministry took its form of sitting down with, eating with, socializing with, welcoming those who were in the margins, drawing them in, even though they had no place because of an illness or because of their race or because of their social standing. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, on this fifth Sunday of Easter, may the hopes and the fears of all our years, both the year that is concluding and the year which is lying in the future for us now, may all those hopes and fears be met in Jesus Christ, the one who experienced life in all its forms in the same way that we did, worked for the salvation of the world. And may we respond to his call to work for that same world, joining him toward that time when there is nothing that would bring about inconsolable weeping. And the reality is a cosmos that breathes with life and love and deep, unending joy. Amen.